Well, welcome. Happy to have you here. Uh, I've prepared a brief sermon. We'll see if it's brief. If not, we've got the time. So, uh, first of all, let's just start by reading the Word. The, uh, the Torah passage for this week comes from uh, Deuteronomy 10. It starts in Deuteronomy 10, verse 1. goes through uh, chapter 11, verse 25. I'll go ahead and start reading that. We'll then switch over to our Haftra portion, which is uh, 2 Kings 13, 22 through 25. I'm actually going to read a little bit extra because it puts it in puts that passage in context for us a little bit better. And then um, we'll finish up with our uh, Brit Chadashah portion, which is uh, the first part of Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, his letter to the Thessalonians. So if you want to follow along, please join me in Deuteronomy 10, start in verse 1. At that time, Adonai said to me, Hew for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make yourself an ark of wood. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood, hewed two tablets of stone like the first, and went up the mountain having the two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets, according to the first writing, the ten words which Adonai had spoke to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And Adonai gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made. And there they are, just as Adonai commanded me. Now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Bnei Yachan to Masorah, where Aaron died, and there he was buried. And Eleazar, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. From there, they journeyed to Gudgadah, and from Gudgadah to Yotbathan, a land of rivers of water. At that time, Adonai separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, blessed be he, and to stand before Adonai to minister to him and to bless his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. Adonai is his inheritance, just as Adonai your God promised him. As at the first time, I stayed in the mountain forty days and forty nights, and Adonai heard me at that time, and Adonai chose not to destroy you. And then Adonai said to me, Arise and begin your journey before the people that they may go in and possess the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And now, Israel, what does Adonai your God require of you but to fear Adonai your God, to walk in all of his ways and to love him, to serve Adonai your God with all your heart and all your soul, and to keep the commandments of Adonai and his statutes, which I command you today for your good, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to Adonai, your God, also the earth and all that is in it. For Adonai delighted in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is to this day. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For Adonai, your God, is God of gods and Lord of lords, the mighty God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and takes no bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear Adonai your God. You shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast, and you shall take oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. 
Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now Adonai, your God, has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God, keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Know today that I am not speaking with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of Adonai your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, his signs and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land, the things that he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as they pursued you, and how Adonai has destroyed them to this day, what he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place, what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, their households, their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen every great act of Adonai, which he did. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command to you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go in to possess is not like the land of Egypt which you have come from and which you, where you sowed seed and watered it by foot like a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys. It drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land which Adonai your God cares for and the eyes of the Lord are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul, then I will give you rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. So take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land yield no produce. And you perish quickly from the good land which Adonai is giving you. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which Adonai swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to hold fast to him, then Adonai will drive out these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads will be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the great river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you, and Adonai your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all of the land where you tread, just as he has said to you. Uh, join with me in uh, the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings, the 13th chapter, the Haftor portion for today, 
Here it is. The Haftarah portion is supposed to be from verse 22. I'm actually going to start in verse 14. It gives, uh, gives a little bit of the context. Second Kings chapter 13, starting in the 14th verse. Elisha had become sick with the illness from which he would die. Then Yoash, the king of Israel, came to him and wept over his face. He said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And then he said, Open the east window. So he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. He shot. And he said, the arrow of Adonai's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you destroy them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And then Elisha died and they buried him. Now the band's the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was when they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. And Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel in all the days of Jehoahaz. But Adonai was gracious to them and had compassion on them and regarded them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he would not yet destroy them or cast them from his presence. Now Hazael, king of Syria, died, and then Ben-Hadad, his son, reigned in his place. And Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz, his father, by war. Three times Jehoash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. Join me in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. I'm just going to go ahead and read the first chapter for you. 1 Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, so that you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake." And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples in all Macedonia and Achaia to all who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. 
Well, brothers and sisters, you've just heard the word of this living and true God who Paul was talking about. <clears throat> so, um, things to notice in this passage, things that, uh, that I noticed and I'd like to uh, bring to your attention. Um, specifically, I'd like to talk about Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. I'll just read that one more time to uh, make my emphasis, if you please. Deuteronomy 10, All right, the Torah passage for today, starting in verse 12, going through 14. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth and all that is in it. So, a few things to notice. First of all, this passage is restating the covenant. Right? So Deuteronomy is written by Moses at, at the end of the wanderings. Right? The children of Israel getting ready to go into the land and take possession of it. Right? And these are, these are, for the most part, those who who um, did not fall in the wilderness, right? Those who fell in the wilderness were the previous generation, right? They were unfaithful, and um, God said, sure, you, you're, you're so concerned about these giants that you've seen. You say it's such a bad land, no problem. You don't need to go into it. But your children that you said would be taken as slaves, I'll let them go in and take possession, right? So Moses is here, restating the covenant to the children, right, who have grown up in the wilderness. They've come of age in the wilderness, right? So Moses is restating the covenant. And again, Moses, right, Moses knows that he is not going to get to go into the land, right? So uh, did, did Moses ever get to go into the land? No? That's a trick question. Did Moses ever get to go into the land? That's right. Who appeared with the master on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Moses was there, right? So uh, even, um, even after a sin, right, it seems like uh, our master can uh, fix that and bring us in. Amen? All right, so first of all, restating the covenant. Second of all, I'd like you to notice that these commandments were for your good. Right? These are, you know, God, God didn't wake up one day and decide he was going to tell us to do a bunch of dumb things that didn't matter. Right? These commandments are for your good. Right? It, is, it is not in accordance with the moral nature of God to tell us to do dumb things. Right? He tells us to do things that are for our good. And um, finally, uh, I'd like you to notice there are, there are five things to do. Right? You've heard of, well, there are 613 commandments in the Torah. Right? Okay. Right, by a certain enumeration, there are six or in the 13. But here, right, in recapitulating this covenant, Moshe Rabbeinu only lists five of them. So I want you to count them with me. I'm going to read it again. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep 
the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you this day for your good. I count five. Five things. Five things. Shouldn't be that hard, right? Not that hard. I'll tell you to do five things. Lynn's laughing at me. It's not that hard, right? Okay. Let's talk about these five things. So, what, what are these things? What do, what do we want to talk about? You know, well, maybe you've been, uh, maybe you've been talking about the important things, right, with uh, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor. I, I, I probably don't talk to my neighbors enough. Maybe I should. Right? But you've been talking about the important things, like something important. What's important? Do I, pull, do I pull traditional deadlift or do I pull sumo when I lift heavy? Right? Important things like that. Chocolate. All right, chocolate's important. Uh, what about, I'm, what's that? The price of tea in China. That, I don't know. If that, I, I suppose that could be important. I like tea. What about like, you know, we're, we're talking about DC Universe versus Marvel Universe, right? Where are my Marvel Universe fans in here? Marvel Universe fans? He's wearing a Flash shirt and you raise your hand for Marvel Universe? Christ died to save sinners. Mm-mm-mm. Anyways, I'll have you know that my children can recite the Green Lantern Creed. So... <clears throat> so, right, so we're discussing the important things in life. Maybe you get to the actual important things in life, and who knows, maybe you've invited some of your friends here to come to synagogue, or maybe you've invited them to, you know, go to whatever church they attend, right? It's good for them. They need to go. Unless they're Episcopalians. Then, then they should come here, right? But so... Maybe you've heard the, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to go to church to be a good person. And you know what? True words were never spoken. 100% right. Because the people that go to church, they're bad people. Okay? The people that are here in this synagogue right now, got some, got some bad news for you. Right? We're bad people. We are, we are all sinners. Right? We're here, we're sinners, and we're in desperate need of being fixed. Every person here is broken, right? That happened at the fall, right? We were, we were given perfection. We were created perfectly. The Almighty, blessed be He, looked down and saw that everything was good. Not just good, He said it was very good. And we broke that. And now everything we see Right? It's, there, there is good in this world, certainly, no question about it. There is good. Right? Because we, through our own agency, we're not able to totally mar everything that the Almighty did. We are not Almighty, and we cannot undo every good thing that He did. But we look around us, and we see brokenness, and we see death, and we see decay. Right? And if we're honest, we don't just look around us and see those things. If we're honest, we can look in ourselves and we can see the same thing. All right? So everyone's sitting here. All right? Here's some bad news. Broken. Sinful. Rebellious. And I'm saying that to myself, not to anyone here. All right? 
Paul, I think he said he was the chief of sinners, right? So you don't need to go to church in order to be a good person. Going to church doesn't help. So anyways, today I want to, uh, I want to talk about this passage, and I want to, I'd, I'd like to preach to the people that are listening, right? So if I'm, if I'm here wasting someone's time, I'm going to waste your time. I'm not going to waste my time. Right? Talking about how people outside these walls are wrong, are flawed, that's going to that's gonna waste my time. Right? As surely as God made little green apples and Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, a lot of the people that might need to watch this sermon are not watching on live stream right now. Right? But I'm going to try to talk to you guys try to speak a word that hopefully it convicts us. I think we need that. And hopefully it changes us. I think, I think the author of this book wants change. I think he wants to pour his spirit and have his spirit guide us and lead us in change. So I want to talk about these commandments, these five things. You know, Lynn said they're not, they're not all that hard. I want to talk about that. Am I putting words in your mouth? Not really fair. All right. First, first thing we were supposed to do, we were supposed to fear. The word there is yirah. All right. Now, the Almighty, blessed be he, again, in this passage, you heard it read, these are commandments given to us for our good. Right? It is a good thing to fear the Lord. Agreed? Okay. Good. I'm glad you agree. Because we're going to prove it biblically. Do me a favor. Open your Bibles, to the 19th Psalm. Let's read that. That's one of my favorites. If you're ever having a debate with someone who tells you that, the, that oh, you shouldn't really, that the Torah doesn't matter anymore, have him read Psalm 19. You can be a jerk. I've, I've done this. I've been a jerk. Don't be a jerk. It's not a good thing to do. All right. But you can be a jerk. Don't. <clears throat> Psalm 19, I want to start in, uh, the whole Psalm 19 is amazing. I love Psalm 19, right? Psalm 19 is specific revelation about general revelation, right? It talks about how the heavens declare the glory of God, right? Now, you can be, you can be uh, an atheist, and you can only believe that, that, you know, there's no right and no wrong, and there's only blind, pitiless indifference, right? And you still look up at the night sky and say, wow. That's pretty amazing. So the heavens do indeed declare the glory of God. Let's start in verse 7. The law of Adonai is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Adonai is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of Adonai are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Adonai is pure, enlightening the eyes. Here it comes, pay attention. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So, the fear of the Lord is apparently a good thing. Right? It is good for us. Right? This, this is a commandment. When, when God told us to fear, he's giving us a commandment. That is a good commandment. It is good for us. 
right? And if you have any questions, right, we say it every week, right? The women stand over the men and they say, what do they say? Hallelujah. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. That's right. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. He will be blessed. So, the fear of the Lord is a good thing. Not that hard. Not that hard to fear the Lord, right? When you see the creation, right? When, when you admit to yourself the truth of this passage, this passage isn't telling us anything we don't already know, right? The heavens declare the glory of God, right? He made this. His hand stretched it out at creation, right? And, and certainly, uh, he did amazing things, right? We have laws of physics talking about how matter is neither matter and energy are not created or destroyed right i think i read that somewhere but he created right so he is certainly worthy to be praised and worthy of fear is he not so let's find out how well we do that fear open with me if you please to the 57th chapter of the prophet Yeshayahu, Isaiah, Isaiah 57. Again, it's good to fear the Lord. It almost seems strange that there's a commandment here. Why do we need to be commanded to fear someone who has such awesome power? All right, but we are commanded to fear the Lord. Let's see what a, what a great job we've done of that. I'm going to start, Isaiah 57, I'm going to start in verse 11. And of whom have you been afraid or feared that you have lied and not remembered me, nor have you taken it to heart? Is it not because I have held my peace from of old that you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your works, and they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you, but the wind will carry them away. A breath will take them away. Wow, it's not that hard, but it seems like we haven't done it, all right? Here's the, here's the condemnation delivered to us by the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, all right? Pay attention to these words, all right? He, Adonai, the Lord of heaven and earth, is complaining. He is putting a charge against his people. He says, you know, you have not remembered me, You've not taken these things to heart. Is it not because I've held my peace from of old? That what? That you do not fear me. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to fear God. It makes sense. And yet, the word of the living and true God is that we have not done it. And when I say we, I mean I have not done it. Joe George has not done it. Joe George has not feared the Lord. Guilty. What does he say? He says, when you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. Those things that aren't alive, right? We serve the living and the true God. The living and the true God wants our fear. He wants our respect. That's what he wants. And he doesn't say, if you cry out, right? Notice it. What, what does he say? He doesn't say, if you cry out. If sometime you sit down and you see what an abject 
mess you are and what an abject mess humanity is and what an absolute disaster we've managed to make of God's very good creation. He doesn't say if you cry out, if by chance. No, he says when. Every man, every human being, every son of Adam, every daughter of Eve will cry out. And what, is, and what does he say? If you, you know, because we have not feared him, what does he say he's going to do? Oh, he's, well, I will declare your righteousness. You're so good at being righteous. Right? If you haven't feared the Lord, sure, he'll declare your righteousness and your works. And what does he say is going to happen? They will not profit you. It's not that hard. What's an application of this? The fear of the Lord, right? So we've, we've got it in, I think we've got it in our brain, and this is good, right? We should understand this, that the fear of the Lord is a good thing. That is a commandment he gave us, right? It is a commandment for our own good, and it is commandment, as you see from the words of Scripture, that we have, we have not kept this commandment. I, I have not kept this commandment. Speaking on behalf of humanity, every one of us individually, we have not done this. All right. What's the application? Now that we have the knowledge, what's the application? The fear of the Lord. Let me tell you a story. There was a rabbi. I don't, uh, I don't, recall, the, uh, I don't recall the specific name of the rabbi, but you know, his students asked him, you know, Rabbi, what, uh, what would be your wish? You know, if you, could, if you could heal the world, tikkun ha'olam, what would you do? He said, I wish that the fear of God would fall on us as much as the fear of man. And his students said, well, that doesn't make any sense. What, what do you mean? Of course we fear God more than we fear men. So the rabbi said, well, when we sin, from, from whom do we hide our sin? Well, we hide our sin from man, not from God. God sees everything. And so it is my wish that the fear of God would be upon us as much as the fear of man. I think the application, I, I think the application is pretty clear. All right? What are you, what, what's the, uh, you, you open the, the browser window that you don't want anyone to see. What's that? Incognito mode, right? What are you doing on your incognito mode? All right? Yeah, if you're shopping for something that you don't want someone to see in your browsing history, that's fine, all right? I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're someone who, you know, you're the, the, the gun nut at the house, right? And you know that the amount of guns that you need in your house can be described by a very simple mathematical formula of N plus one, all right? So, you know, I, I, don't, want my, I don't want my wife to know that I'm buying yet another gun, Right, but if you're, right, what do, what do people normally open the incognito mode to see? Right, well, naked girls. Right, men of this synagogue, if that's you, it needs to stop because there's no fear of the Lord in you. Right, you don't want your wife to see it. You don't want your girlfriend to see it. You, whatever the case may be, you don't want someone to see it. Let me tell you who sees it. In heaven, there is a seeing eye, 
and there's a hearing ear, and there's a writing hand, and there's one who does see that. Don't bring that garbage in here. Men and women of this synagogue, if you have friends outside of this synagogue who are trapped in that nonsense, we want to help. This synagogue wants to help. This synagogue is fighting that nonsense. We are fighting that garbage. Let us know. We will will protect your identity under the seal of the confessional. And we will join you in that fight against this trash. What is the condemnation of Babylon? What's the condemnation of Babylon in uh, St. John's Revelation? He, he gives a list. He says, Babylon, they trafficked in this. They trafficked in that. They, they sold spices and, and they sold gold and silver and they did all these things. Right. Why is Babylon called a harlot? Right. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with capitalism. Right. There's nothing wrong with tra- trafficking in spices. There's nothing wrong with trafficking in gold and silver. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to buy Bitcoin? Buy Bitcoin. There's nothing wrong with that. This is the condemnation of Babylon in that same verse. You know, you read all that stuff. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Oh, yeah. But then Babylon traffics in the bodies and souls of men. All right. And we are against that. We have been told to come out of that. So the fear of God. If you fear God, come out. It is time to come out of it now. All right. And God wants to help you with this. He wants to bring you out of it. He wants to set you free. It starts with the fear of the Lord. Don't think that what you're doing is not seen because it is seen. Fear. Fear of the Lord. It's not that hard. What's another thing we're supposed to do? Fear was one of them. There were five things. What's the next? Walk. Come, house of Jacob. Let us walk in the light. Walk. The word there is lakah. Right? It, the, the Genesis passage, right? Abraham is told to get up, go. Lek lakah. That's the word. It's the same word, same root where we get uh, halakah. Right? To go, to walk. We are commanded to walk. So, right, I mean that, right, for the, for the bro lifters in the congregation, they're going to say walking. Wow, that sounds like legs. I don't do that. I walk over to the bench and do a real workout, right? Yeah, all right, there we go. But walking is good. Contrary to what your bro friend tells you, walking is good. I will prove it to you. Please open with me. To Psalm 107. Again, these commandments are for our good. Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light. Again, every commandment that the Lord gives us is a good commandment. I'm going to prove it to you. Walking is a good commandment. Psalm 107, let's go. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. 
They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Right? Notice right, that word, lecha, is right there, right? that they might go, that they might walk to a city, to a dwelling place. All right. Now, I'm, I don't know if the author of the book of Hebrews mentions this or not, but he does say that people are looking for a city. We're looking for a home, right? It's clear from this passage that it is the Almighty, blessed be he, who has made that home for us. We cried in our distress, right? What did, the, what did the prophet Isaiah say? When you cry out, not if you cry out, when you cry out, and they cried out, their soul fainted in them, and then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way that they might, your, your passage might be like mine, it says, go that they might walk to a city for a dwelling place, right? He's given us a dwelling place. He said that he was going away to make a place for us so that where he is, we can be there also. Amen? So it is good to walk with the Lord. Right. Oh, well, I don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to follow a command to walk. I can, be, I can be led by the Spirit. Yeah, great. You know who else is led by the Spirit? Right. In Ezekiel's vision... Right? The, the living creatures that he saw moving around, right? Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air, right? We know, we know what I'm talking about, first, first chapter of Ezekiel, right? Those beings went, walked, lechad, wherever the Spirit moved them, right? So don't tell me about being led by the Spirit unless you are walking with the Lord, per the commandment, right? So it is good to walk with the Lord. Any questions? Any, any disagreements? It's bad to walk with the Lord. No? Now's a chance. Lynn? Walking. All right. It's not that hard, right? Okay. Well, strangely enough, we're really good at that too, right? Open with me to uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah's great at telling us what we don't do well. Jeremiah, the sixth chapter of Jeremiah. While you're going there, listen to a story. Years ago, my wife and I were, uh, we were watching this interview, and I, I don't remember. It seems, it seems that the interview was with uh, the, the head of the Harvard Divinity School. And, oh, how the mighty have fallen, right? But the... Um, it seems like he was the head of the Harvard Divinity School. I, I don't remember this well enough to cite it. But, you know, of, of course, right, he has to be a, uh, a practicing homosexual, God forbid. And, um, you know, the, he's, he's talking about, well, doesn't the, don't the Scriptures condemn that behavior? And he said something along the lines of, well, we don't really want to live our lives by 3,500-year-old laws. I guess we'll live our lives according to whatever he says, right? Anyways, 
Let's see what, uh, let's see what God has to say about walking. Uh, Jeremiah 6, uh, verse 16. This is a passage that uh, you should know. It's a good passage, but it also, uh, there's, as Jeremiah always does, there's some condemnation in it for us. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Good thus far, right? The commandments of God. He's telling us to do good things. Good thus far. But they said, we will not walk in it. Right? So there, there are a lot of good things in this passage. Right? This, this passage is a wonderful passage. Right? Do we... Right? We want knowledge. Right? We, we want to know things. At least, at least I do. I love trivia. Right? Again, you know, I can, I can recite not only the Green Lantern Creed, right? and my kids can too, but I can recite the Green Lantern Creed of the one Green Lantern that is blind. Right? How, do you, uh, how do you talk to a Green Lantern about a color when he can't see? Yeah, I'm good at trivia. Right, I'm a hard act to follow on trivia. And I like trivia, and I like knowledge, and I like wisdom. Right? And this passage tells us to, to go seek wisdom. Right? What does it say? Thus says the Lord. So this is a commandment from God, from the almighty king of the universe. Stand in the ways and see. He wants us to see. He wants us to understand. Ask for the old past where the good way is. He wants us to, to understand. He wants us to know these things. Right? Because these things are a reflection of him. That's why this is good. It is good for us to follow his commandments. Right? We learn about God. When we talk about morality, morality is not just something good that we should do. Morality is a reflection of God's character. Right? That's the moral argument for the existence of God. If, if the universe is nothing but blind, pitiless indifference, right, then, then why do we have a moral law written on our hearts? Why, is, why are there things that are morally wrong? Right? Pick, pick whatever you want. If, the, if anything is wrong, why is it wrong? Oh, well, it's... Right? That's why we have things that are called transcendent values, right? Truth, beauty, goodness. Transcendent values. Right? If goodness is indeed transcendent, then it is based on the character of one who transcends. Right? That is the God of Israel. Right? The laws of logic. How can we know that things are true? Where do they come from? Right? If the universe only exists of material things, if it's only matter and energy acting through space and time, right, where do I go to get three ounces of the first law of logic? Indeed, the first law of logic is a reflection, as are all laws of logic, reflection of the character of the God of Israel, who is not the author of confusion, but of perfect peace. God wants us to know these things. He wants us to understand these things. Right? Why do we live in a universe that is easily modeled by mathematics? Oh, the kids thought they were out of school for the summer, right? I don't want to hear about math. Yeah. But the Almighty, blessed be He, is worthy of praise because of a universe that is modeled 
by mathematical truths. Again, a reflection of his character. He wants us to understand these things. And he's telling us, right? He's not just wanting us to understand these things and hoping that we'll figure it out on our own. No, he tells us. Right? What does he say? Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths where the good way is. And, and contemplate it. Oh, no, that's not what he says. And walk in it. It's not that hard. Walk in it. What's my response? We will not walk. So also, don't think to yourself that this passage is only concerning, oh, those poor, stupid Jews. Aren't we glad that Adonai taught them such a good lesson in 587 B.C.? No, this passage is for you, this passage is for me, and the answer to God's good commandment that is good for us is we will not walk. (sighs) Pretty depressing. What's an application of this? I think an application of this can actually be found, right? This is, uh, this is always a good one. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, if you please. Ephesus. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Chapter 6, verse 4. You, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We're supposed to walk. And I think that we should walk with our children. I think our children should see us walking. So let them see you walking. Paul's going to echo that also, if you want to read um, in Colossians. He's going to say basically the exact same thing. Colossians 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Right, the commandment to walk. Right, and you can look this up in our Torah passage. It's given in a plural form. It has a plural verb ending. Right, so let your children see you walk. You need to walk. Right? Stand in the paths, look for the good and right way, and walk in it, and let your children see you walk in it. Okay, we've talked about fear, we've talked about walking. What's the next one? We were commanded to fear, we were commanded to walk. What's next? To love. To love. To love the Lord. So, again, I will show you that loving the Lord is a good thing, if you had any questions, right? Seems, seems fair. Turn with me to the prophet Yeshayahu, Isaiah, the 56th chapter. You already know what's coming here. It's one of my favorites. If Joe George gives a sermon without quoting Isaiah 56, you'll know something's wrong. Maybe he's become a Marvel Universe fan. Yeah, body snatchers or something. It's certainly bad. All right, so also you've got to hear a story about Isaiah 56. This is a great story, all right? And uh, 
this is a story. It's, it's, it's good that my wife is here. So we were living in, uh, we were living in Iowa and um, uh, couldn't, couldn't find a messianic synagogue anywhere close to us, but there was a nice little church that was literally a block away. So we went there and, and um, we're in a Bible study and one of the person leading the Bible study, boy, he was, he was going off. And he was going off on the Sabbath. He was going off on God's wedding ring to us, right? The Sabbath, a memorial of creation, a memorial of our redemption from Egypt. And, oh, well, you know, we really don't need to keep the Sabbath. And, and I was just sitting there. Uh, I don't know if I want to say anything. I really don't want to say anything. Just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the old, um, what's, what's the Broadway musical? Guys and Dolls. Sit down, you're rocking, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. All right, I was not going to rock the boat. And then my wife elbows me. Stand up. Stand up for Adonai. Stand up for his Torah. So I rolled my eyes. Like Lady Macbeth, right? Now screw your courage to the sticking place and will not fail. Do you like that I compared my wife to Lady Macbeth? We have a great marriage. So she's elbowing me. So I had to stand up and, brothers, we can't speak against the Sabbath that way. All right, the Sabbath is a perpetual ordinance. It's an everlasting covenant. The Almighty, blessed be he, rested on the seventh day, and so he blessed and hallowed the seventh day. And so, anyways, so I... Because my wife was driving me, was goading me, I stood and defended the truth of Adonai's word to the glory of God the Father. And so the, uh, later the, the pastor came and had a word with me, and we were discussing these matters. And so I, I quoted the 56th chapter of Isaiah to him, and he said, hmm, I'll have to think about that. It was an interesting discussion. But anyway, so you need to hear the rest of the story, right? So years later, years later, I tell this story, and my wife, right, who goaded me to stand for the truth of Adonai and his word, said, I wasn't elbowing you to stand up. I was elbowing you to sit down and be quiet. (laughs) A woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. Amen? Anyways, join with me. Isaiah 56. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. I wonder who he's talking about there. I'll let you ponder that. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold of it who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to Adonai speak, saying, Adonai has surely separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house, within my walls, a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Also, to the sons of the foreigner, 
I'm the son of a foreigner. Who join themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God, Jehovah God, who delivers the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others besides those who are already gathered to him. right don't ever ever let anybody say that because you are a gentile that you're some sort of second class citizen whip out a copy of the book of isaiah and extend the right hand of fellowship to that person what's that yeah especially if your wife is there right because she'll be elbowing you and telling you to do it and she'll deny it later These promises, to whom are these promises made? They are made to the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord. He tells you, if you love the name of the Lord, he tells you that your sacrifices will be accepted on his altar. I don't know about you, but I have one sacrifice, one final, once and for all sacrifice that was made for me about 2,000 years ago at the place of the skull. I want that sacrifice to be accepted. I know that sacrifice is acceptable to God. I want it to be acceptable on my behalf. If it's not acceptable on my behalf, then I'm in a world of trouble. I am literally in a hell of a lot of trouble. I want that to be acceptable on my behalf. To the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant, even them, I will bring them to my holy mountain. He's going to bring us. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's what happens when you love the Lord. Also, If you're interested in opening up your little digital Torah scrolls, the only two places that this specific Hebrew is used, this form of to love, is in this passage of Isaiah and in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. Only two places that that specific verb form of to love, the name of the Lord, is found. Coincidence? I'll let you be the judge. So, love the name of the Lord. Not that hard. Let's see how good we are at it. Open your Bibles, please, to the second epistle to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy. When you've got a Bible with small print, sometimes these little books are... Difficult to find. Second Timothy. Second Timothy three. 
going to start in verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Sound like anyone you know? Sound like anyone you see in the mirror from time to time? And again, by his grace, these things can change. We're not going to be lovers of God. this, This is talking about Joe George. That's quite a list, isn't it? Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Guilty. It's not that hard. Love God. What's an application for this? Here's an application. We're fairly close to it. Turn to Ephesians. We always love the, uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians. That's the gospel, right? It's the last three chapters of Ephesians that sometimes we have a hard time doing. Again, the goal today is to preach to those who are listening. I don't want to waste my time. So we should listen to this. Let's start Ephesians 5. I'm going to start in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself for her. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Men, are you doing this? Are you loving your wives? I mean, I love my wife. Hmm. Wait a second. 
I'm supposed to love my wife, and I quote, just as Christ also loved the church. Do you love your wife that much? Well, it's not that hard. Keep working. That's how much you need to love your wife. Wives, not letting you off the hook. Wives, I think it says in here you're supposed to love your husbands. <clears throat> oh, wait a second. It doesn't. Wives, you are supposed to submit to your husbands. It's hard, isn't it? Don't talk to me about loving God until you can submit to your husband. Wives, respect that man. That man is fallen. He is sinful. Every day he is in need of the grace of God. He is in need of the indwelling of the Spirit. He is sinful day in and day out. And guess what? He is supposed to be a picture of our master in your marriage. And you need to respect that man. Right? Notice, what, what are the words here? Husbands, love your wives. Right? This is self-sacrificial love. Love your wives. But wives, you might think you're good at loving. Oh, I love my husband. That's great. Whoopee-dee. Respect that man. It's not that hard. Covered three things. Fear, walk, love. What's next? Serve, Abida. Serve. Serving the Lord is a good thing. Turn with me to, you guessed it, the prophet Isaiah. The 19th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Serving the Lord is a good thing. I'm going to prove it. You say, oh, it's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Serving the Lord is surely not a good thing. Serving the Lord is a good thing. Here comes your proof. Isaiah 19, we're going to start in verse 19. In that day there will be an altar to Jehovah in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar to Jehovah at its border. And it will be a sign and for a witness to Jehovah, the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. For they will cry to Adonai because of their oppressors and he will send them a savior and a mighty one and he will deliver them. And then Adonai will be known to Egypt and the Egyptians will know Adonai in that day and will make sacrifice and offering. Yes, they will make a vow to Adonai and they will perform. And Adonai will strike Egypt he will strike and heal, and they will return to Adonai, and he will be entreated by them, and he will heal them. And in that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians will come to Egypt, and the Egyptians to Assyria, and the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land, whom Adonai, the Lord of hosts, will bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Now the words there, when it says the Egyptians will make sacrifice, the word there is they will serve him with sacrifice. Abada, they will serve. 
And when it says the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians, again, the word there is serve. This is what happens when people serve the Lord. Not a big deal, just world peace. Right? Just the, the, the Shia and the Sunni giving up that idolatry and setting up pillars to the God of Israel in the middle of the land of Egypt. That's what happens when we serve the Lord. It's not that hard. And again, obviously it's a good thing. So, let's see how good we are. We're so good at serving. Nehemiah. Open your books to Nehemiah. Nachamiahu. The Lord comforts. Nehemiah. We weren't good at the first three. Right? What, do you, what do you think the odds are that we're going to be good at this one? We're going to be good servants of the Lord. Let's find out. What does Nehemiah say? Chapter 9, uh, start in the 32nd verse. Nehemiah 9, verse 32. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all of your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests or our fathers have kept your law. We have not heeded your commandments and your testimonies, which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom or in the many good things that you gave them in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. So here we are, servants today. Notice that they're not servants of God. They're servants of other people. They've been taken as slaves. Servants today in the land you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, and we are servants in it. It yields much increase to the kings that you have set over us because of our sins, and they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Why? Pay attention. Verse 35, it tells why, for they have not served you in their kingdom. Our master said that all authority in heaven and earth was given to him. Go, therefore, and make believers. Is that what he said? I bet rabbi's ears are burning right now in Maryland. Go, therefore, and make disciples. service. It's not that hard. Serve. It's a commandment. I don't, I don't really know what to, what to apply about service, right? We, we, can't, we can't be servants of the Lord if we don't do something, right? If we don't work, right? To, to this day, the, the Hebrew word, the modern Hebrew word for workers is abedim, right? Servants, Right? So, work. Do something real. It's a commandment. Four. Four out of five. Right? We haven't done four out of five. So, we're not even going to make it into Cooperstown. Let's talk about the fifth one. Shamara. Shomer. To guard or to keep. 
right? We were commanded to fear, walk, love, serve, keep. Keep. Is it a good thing to keep the commandments of God? Yes? Prove it. I'll help you prove it. Open your Bibles. Psalms. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. We're going to read the whole thing. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> no, we're just going to read one verse. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. The word there is shomer, by keeping it according to your word. Right? That's a military word. Shomer is to protect. Shomrim is a guardian. Shomer, guarding it according to your word. Right? You want your way to be pure? Guard it according to God's word. We're good at this. The prophet Hosea is going to show you just how good we are at it. Open to Hosea. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Now, let no man contend or rebuke another, for your people are like those who contend with a priest. Therefore, when you stumble in the day, the prophet also shall stumble with you in the night. I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you from being a priest before me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. So I will change their glory into shame. They will eat the sin of my people. They set their heart on their iniquity and it shall be like people like priests, so I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. For they shall eat and they will not have enough. They will commit harlotry, but they will not increase. Why? Because they have ceased obeying the Lord. The word there for the, the Hebrew there for ceased obeying is they have, they have stopped shomering. They have stopped keeping. They have stopped observing and guarding these commandments. So, we're really good at all these things, right? It's not that hard. Lynn agreed with me. It's not that hard. Fear, walk, love, serve, keep. Five things. How are we at those five things? O out of five. Keep swinging. Yeah. It's not that hard. So, pretty, pretty, pretty hard words, I guess. Right. Um, before you go, <laughs> lest everyone think that I'm just a, a wet blanket, I don't know if I want that reputation. Right. I want to share the gospel with you. Right. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is good news. Right. From an old Anglo-Saxon word meaning good news, good spell. God, good news. Good news seems to imply the presence of bad news, does it not? So, here's the bad news. We have not, what? 
We have not feared. We have not walked. We have not loved. We have not served. We have not kept. All right. those, those were the terms of the covenant. We have not done them. We haven't. I have not. Joe George has not done those things. I'm guilty. All right. Now, here's the thing. We don't need Torah to tell us this. Right. I, think, I think that there's, there's not a person on this earth alive right now who says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I, I think if that person is truly capable of introspection, that person would know, even separate from the Torah, even separate from God's standard. He hasn't met his own standard. Right? Find me a society that says it's full of good people. Go into the... Go into the rainforest. Find me a society that's never heard the gospel. Do, do they think that they're good, perfect people? They probably understand the concept of sin. Right? They might not even understand the concept of a God who tells them not to do these things, but they know that they're wrong. That's bad news. Right? We, don't need, we don't need Torah. Gentiles are a law unto themselves. Right? And Paul says that they can be lawbreakers apart from the law. Sure, no problem. All right, and it's not just we. We are not the only problem. All right, there's a broken world. There's a broken world of, of death and destruction and crime. All, right, all sorts of things that, that are not the way they should be. We've got all sorts of idiots telling us that death is just a natural part of life. That's the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. Death is not a natural part of life. Death is the wages of sin. And it's not how God created the world. But I've got some good news. I've got good news, and it has nothing to do with car insurance. <laughs> Here's the good news. We have not feared. We have not walked. We have not loved. We have not served. We have not kept, but there is one who has. He is our brother. He is a human being. He did it, and that's that sacrifice that will, will be accepted, not may be accepted, not a good chance accepted, will be accepted. Our God, the king of the universe, is healing this world that we broke. He wants to heal every one of us. It's not that hard. Just let him do it. Trust him. He has said that he's done all that work. We didn't fear. His son did. We didn't walk, love, serve, keep. His son did. All those things. That's good news. So, don't go without a blessing. Yishe Barak Avotenu, Avram, V'Yitzak, V'Yakob, V'Imotenu, Sarah, Rivka, Leah, V'Rakhel, Hu Yitzbarak Kol Seishamayim et Devarim Toraze V'Halekum Fihum. May he who blessed our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and our mothers, 
Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. May he bless all who hear the words of this Torah and do them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.